Welcome to Dying is a Discussion. I'm death doula in training and palliative certified nursing assistant Carla Labrosse, and I'm here to talk about dying. You know, I know that talking about dying is hard for a lot of us. Death as a whole has become a topic that's almost completely taboo in North America. But you know, it wasn't always that way. The presence and reality of death was tragic, yet it was accepted, and it was also a very familiar part of life from the dawn of humanity until the end of the 19th, beginning of the 20th centuries. Then, modern medicine and hospitals stepped in and took over as the location and caregivers of choice for the dying. Over the past 120 years or so, our culture has become more and more positivity and youth-focused. We slid into death denial and became a death-phobic society, basically rendering us death and grief illiterate. Some of us even reached the end of life without ever seeing or speaking to a dying person. How can this be? It's difficult and it can feel awkward for many of us to talk to our dying loved ones. Some of us handle this with anxiety by speaking without thinking or giving no thought whatsoever as to what we might actually want to say to a dying loved one. Others say little or nothing for fear that it might make them look as if they've given up all hope. Still, others miss out on the opportunity to speak to their dying loved ones altogether, intentionally or otherwise. But one way or another, we understand that this is a difficult time when we're trying to protect one another from suffering or sadness. In those last several weeks, I found it really hard because I don't know. I don't know why I found it hard. There's just, there's a guard, there's a guarded thing there. That's Megan Osler from Hudson, Quebec, Canada, on talking with her father who passed away in 2008. Her reflection is very much a mirror as to where we are today in society in terms of our relationship with death and dying. By this point, who can blame us? Although we see plenty of it on TV, most of us just don't encounter dying and death often enough in conversation or in person anymore to be familiar with it. So, not many of us are prepared for it or even want to prepare for it. The topic is pushed behind closed hospital, behind closed hospice, and behind old age home doors. It was a really scary idea talking about life after he was gone. I was really scared for his fear of dying. I felt really sad. Um, we tried to have a palliative care person sort of be a bit of a coach to him, a bit of a, a sort of a therapist. Uh, but it was really hard for him to go there, I think. I was very conscious of that. When the time comes to talk to a dying loved one, you might find yourself wondering, what do I say? Unfortunately, there are some common beliefs out there that have the potential to prevent us from saying what needs to be said or even talking with our dying loved ones at all. In this episode, we'll talk about final conversations we have with our dying loved ones so that we can gently start to tread into this liminal space. You know, liminal is one of my favorite words. It's beautiful. 
It means occupying a position at the boundary or threshold. And that's what dying is, the very threshold between life and death. We'll talk about these myths that surround talking with the dying. We'll also talk about some do's or don'ts, and I'll offer a few conversation starters that touch on key messages you want to make sure that you share. And some harder things to talk about while we still have the time. Finally, I'll share some practical questions and clarifications you'll want to talk about with your loved ones in preparation for their final days and moments. Before starting, I wanted to give a reminder to always be mindful about what you say and the conversations you have by your loved one's bedside. As a certified nursing assistant who often works in palliative wards, the lack of awareness around this topic makes me really sad. I can only imagine what it feels like to be lying in a bed and being spoken about like you're not even in the room. So let's not talk over their heads and forget that they're there and that they're listening. Even if your loved one is unconscious, it's possible that they can still hear. Always be mindful, even when they're unconscious. It's also important to become an advocate for your loved ones and speak up if you notice medical professionals who are doing the same thing. Ask for the conversation to be moved into the hallway. I really encourage you to do it because most people who are doing this are just unaware. When you bring it to their attention, it's something that they really take to heart. So with that said, here we go. Let's talk about conversations with the dying. Myth number one, silence is stressful. Most of us truly struggle with silence. We find it awkward. So you might think that when you experience it with someone who's dying, it's like silence on steroids. So we try to fill it. We just talk and talk and talk to fill the space. And let me tell you, that can be stressful. Some will even use their fear of not knowing what to say and it's implied silence to avoid seeing a dying friend or loved one. So they think, I'm not gonna go. Please bear in mind what's most important in these instances is that you don't have to find anything profound or moving to say. Anyways, that's going to sound generally false and contrived. What's important is that you just be there and listen if they do want to talk. And you know, not all silences need to be awkward. Silences can be calming and they can fill the space with peace if we let them. Peace is something that a dying person needs and deserves, and it's also beneficial for us. So what do you say? Let's give silence a chance. The second myth is that talking about death hastens death. So there are some people out there that actually believe that talking about death with the dying or just about our mortality in general, or even thinking about it, that that invites death in or somehow speeds up the process. It's become almost like a hardwired resistance, some kind of spoken spell or superstition. Some even fear that acceptance of death equals giving up on life. These beliefs are unfounded. Acceptance and surrender to biological death at the end of life 
isn't synonymous to quitting life. It's grace. You know, doctors used to tell families not to reveal terminal diagnosis to their parents or grandparents or their spouse when they were dying. Imagine living your life in full control of it until the end when someone else gets to decide to keep one of the most pieces of information to ever come up in your life away from you. The fact that your life is ending. It still happens sometimes today, most often for terminal children whose parents decide to spare them from the prognosis. I believe our job as parents is to protect our children, yes, but it is also one of our most sacred duties to prepare them as well. So here's the thing. Discussing the death with a dying person is difficult, but it can also be helpful if it's done right. If your loved one just brings it up, they're ready. You don't even need to ask. And if they don't bring it up, then it's okay to ask. You know, we all have difficulty addressing impending death. Just like confronting all of our other fears though, talking about it helps to prepare us for it. It won't make us any less sad, but it can make us feel less scared for about what's to come. Don't hold yourself back from laughing. If both of you find something funny to talk about, that's brilliant because humor is very therapeutic and can help us through even the most stressful or dire feeling situations. Myth number three, talking about death will cause upset. Well, that seems about right. It's such a taboo topic in our culture and death is considered upsetting in general. So we've banished it. We moved it away from us. Sometimes we've moved it right out of our homes and we've kept it away from our community. And since we avoid talking about death so much throughout the course of our entire lives, it follows that we would believe that talking about someone's terminal illness or impending death will just upset them. But there are people who do want to talk about their deaths and what's happening to them. It's their experience. It's their life. It's not done yet. It's what they're living right now. In fact, many people dying are thinking the same myth about you that talking about what's happening to them will only upset you. So now we've reached something like a conversation stalemate. So do you wanna offer a loving gesture? Talking about fears and concerns and our feelings with somebody who's not in distress and who's fully truly listening to us can help reduce pent up anxieties. So become that person. And it's also very true that some people never want to face the fact or accept that they're dying and they don't want to talk about it, but that should never be assumed it should not be your default thought. The reasons that they have for not wanting to talk are varied. There can be some preconceived cultural or generational notions, interpersonal family dynamics might be at play. And of course, denial and fear. But not bringing it up in any way, shape or form at all leaves an empty void that's difficult to heal for those who are left behind. Express your need to talk about it with those who hold the keys to these precious conversations. Even if you never have that conversation, at least you'll know that you did what you could to make it happen. If they flat out refuse, 
and shut you down, that's something that needs to be respected. You can always harness the power of letter writing. Have that conversation on paper. Tell them how you feel in writing. Even if they never read it, you know, at least you've said what you've had to say. Now you can begin to think about it for yourself and what it means to you and the conversations that you will have in the future. When I was 19, my father passed away. He died of cancer and multiple organs, and I wasn't allowed to go to the hospital the last couple of weeks. My mom didn't want me to see him in the condition he was in. He was in a coma. We were not talkers about what the problems would be. He didn't want to talk about uh, dying. He didn't want to talk about what would happen afterwards. And um, everything was kind of left very much up in the air. So his, his death was difficult. And there were tons of things I wish I had discussed with him or said. But at 19, I didn't really think of a lot. Carol Mitchell's reflections on her father's passing 53 years ago feels to me like the faded silvery scars left behind by an old wound. Death and the taboo surrounding it in North America can leave some parents feeling the need to shield their children from it. That gesture, made in absolute love, can leave deep unintended consequences. So do your best to talk about dying with your loved one who are nearing the end of their lives. Listen to the cues that might just crack the door open to have that discussion, even if it's just a tiny little sliver of an inch. That might sound like a passing comment about new symptoms or missing an upcoming event because they won't be around or because they're tired of being sick and want to go home. When you hear such a cue, you could ask something like, do you want to say more about that? That's a good one. Or I'm not sure I know what you mean. So a prompt like that allows them the opportunity to clarify, to tell you more about what they're thinking and to speak more about it if they want. Once you ask a question, you have to stop and you have to listen because this is the space, maybe the most important space where they want to feel and they need to feel like they're being understood. Myth number four, talking about everyday things is hurtful. So this belief prevents some of us from talking about the day-to-day -day aspects of our lives because as much as we want to be there, the world, life, time, and everything is moving forward. So while we tend to the natural daily things of life and we're going at breakneck speed, like nothing has changed in our lives, for our loved ones, their lives are slowing down and everything is about to experience its final change. So we might think that, you know, talking about common things like sports or television shows that we're watching, somehow that that shows that we don't care, that we're unconscious about what's happening to them. And somehow it's out of place in this context. The truth about that is that most dying people are still interested in the same things that they were interested in before they knew they were dying. Uh, the last time I talked with my dad, we talked about 
a lot of ordinary everyday things, but it was just before Thanksgiving weekend and he was in a palliative care. He was in a hospital and he was pretty disappointed that he couldn't be at the cottage for Thanksgiving. And so I was trying to put him at ease by telling him all of the chores we were gonna get done. And so I was just, you know, reassuring him, making sure he knew that everything was gonna be taken care of after he was gone. It might sound obvious, but we are alive until we die and we want to participate to the very end. There is a flip side to that story that I wanted to share with you. Uh, it's a fellow death doula who had an experience with a woman who was absolutely not interested in talking about the banal things of other people's lives when they came into her room as she was dying. She actually had that death doula make a sign and hung it on her door saying that she didn't want to talk about those things. Dying, just like everything else in life, is a case-by-case -case basis, and we have to watch and listen for the cues. We have to ask, where are they leading us in this conversation? Just like Megan noticed that her father was disappointed about not being able to attend their annual family Thanksgiving gathering at the cottage, and she spoke to it. It's good to go along with the desires of the dying person, because this is their experience, not ours. About talking about the illness that your loved one is facing, we might think that they don't want to talk about what they're dying of. My uncle was ill for at least two and a half, three years before he passed. And he was going through a lot of physical pain, uh, visible physical pain. Zena Alcaldi is a yoga instructor and women's spiritual teacher currently based in Seattle, Washington. When she reflects on her uncle's death, she remembers family members, specifically her aunt, talking about how unfair it was that her husband, such a good and devout man, had to die in such suffering. I would often hear friends and family when he's not around say, how could God reward such a giving, loving, godly man in such a way? Why would God have him suffer so much at the end of life? I would often listen to my uncle, listen to his suffering, and I could only say, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay to speak about your pain. It's perfectly fine to discuss the illness with them if they want to. A lot of dying people actually want to talk about the state that they're in. We shouldn't look at that as a negative. It's interesting to note that listening to our dying loved ones talk about their physical pain can actually lead them to expressing their emotional suffering as well. Studies by Matthew Lieberman, a social cognitive neuroscientist at UCLA Department of Psychology, and David Silverswig, chairman of the Department of Psychiatry at Brigham and Women's Hospital, made in 2007 and 2012 respectively, revealed that verbalizing physical pain helps heal our emotional pain. They found that labeling our feelings reduces activation in the amygdala, which is our brain's alarm system that triggers fight or flight. Basically, when we give words to our emotions, we become less reactive and more mindfully aware. So when our dying loved ones talk about their physical suffering, it's not complaining. It's actually helping them relieve their anxiety 
and making better peace with their passing. I suppose some of the emotional suffering he was going through, his unwillingness to accept what was going on and his unwillingness to let go of life. Life became so precious to him when he, when a part of him didn't want to face the truth that it was coming to a halt and he just needed a witness. He wanted his pain to be witnessed. And in some ways, we all did that in pieces and parts. I'll just say it over and over. Take your cues from that person. Listen to their language and Take the opportunities when they present themselves, even if it can feel a little bit awkward in the beginning. When they open those doors, go through them. There's something there that they want to explore. Myth number five. I should always be positive around my dying loved one so that they can stay positive and live longer. I am a firm believer in positive energies, and I do believe that what we get out, what we put in. It is also the truth that dying is a biological process and happens to everything and all of us, eventually. No amount of positive thinking can stop a death whose time has come. So if we're focused only on the positive as a way to avoid and deny the fact that death is coming, that's toxic. Talk about happy and pleasant memories, no problem, but the dying may also want to talk about what's happening to them now and how they feel about that process now, whether you consider that positive or not. We all know how it feels. You know when you're around that overly cheerful person when we're stressed? It feels horrible. It feels awful. So if your loved one is feeling negative or down, don't chastise them or tell them to stay positive. You, you don't need to let them bring you down, but you do need to be compassionate and empathetic. This is the space where we honor their experience and we allow the conversations to be guided by the day to day and by their mood. So now we're going to talk about some do's and don'ts for when we have our final conversations with our loved ones. The first one is, don't try to fix the situation. It's human nature. We want to fix things that bring us sadness. And our loved one's terminal diagnosis triggers this response. I really look at this as a testament to how much we love and we care for our person. As hard as it is, we have to accept that this is something that's not fixable. Any attempt you're going to make to try to fix it is just going to be time lost that could have been better spent being with your loved one. It's important that once end of life becomes undeniable, you, that you surrender your resistance to it. 
free yourself to be more present. The second one I think is really important. It's not to wait until the last minute to say goodbye. When our loved one is nearing death, it's important that each conversation be ended in a way that it's going to be okay if it's the last time that we speak. We really might not want to do that because leaving it open-ended is like a blissful state of denial. It's like saying, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say goodbye. Otherwise, it's really true. But it's true either way. Casual goodbyes can leave you wishing that you had said something different. I see this especially in times when family members fly in from another place and are going to be leaving before their loved one actually dies. And I believe it's important to acknowledge this openly, that you don't know whether or not you'll be seeing each other again. Because in person is always best. It provides us with a certain extra amount of closure and it can help prevent regrets. The third is on noticing body language. When we're speaking with our loved ones, have a look. Are they turning their head away in some type of attempt to get away because they don't want to have the conversation we're having? Are they lying in bed and closing their eyes and pretending to be asleep? Are they squinting because they can't hear you properly? This body language and noticing it, it's a really soft skill and it does need some practice if it doesn't come naturally. Just be mindful. Don't take your cue from just their words. Pay attention to the body language. Ask yourself, what are they showing you? The next one is to be sure that you're sitting at the same level as your loved one when you're talking with them. Make sure there's no barriers between you. So if you're in a hospital setting and you want to stand when you're talking, raise the bed. Of course, put up the guardrails to prevent any accidents. And if you want to sit, pull your chair right up really close. Put the guardrail down if that's possible, if that's not uh, inhibited by any type of equipment. Lean onto the bed. This really shows your full attention. And it doubles by preventing us from having a closed body language. A closed body language looks like folding our arms or fidgeting. So leaning in really prevents that from happening. Next, do try to be mindful and let compassion guide the conversation. Remind yourself that this is not about you. That doesn't mean that it's wrong to share your feelings. It means that your intentions are to communicate based on this person's dying experience. This space belongs to them. And it's your privilege to be there. How you sit within that space will depend on your shared history and what they need. Always be with them through the lens of compassion. Next up, a really hard one. Do talk less and listen more. It's understandable. We might be in shock that we're actually sitting beside our dying loved ones. You might have a bajillion questions running through your head, things you want to find out before your loved one passes away, and or a million things that you want to say. So instead of listening, we do all the talking. Throughout the course of all of our lives, think about it. We all want to feel heard and understood. You can only imagine that 
feeling is magnified at the end of our lives. It's the last time we're going to have our say so we really want to feel like we're being listened to and understood. So give your loved one that gift of listening. Their voice is going away. The new things that they will say to you and have to share to you is going away. So listening is truly a gift you can give to yourself and to them. It's priceless. If you're spiritual or religious, I recommend the really nice practice of saying a prayer before you enter your loved one's room to ask for help and strength to be an active listener. And if you're not a religious or spiritual person, you can still do this by setting your intentions. Take a breath before you enter the room. Realize the privilege of this space that you're entering. And when you do go in, meet them in silence. Let your loved one guide that conversation. This is the best place to start. Speaking of silence, it's okay to not know what to say. Surrender, if that's how you feel. Allow yourself to be okay with not coming up with the perfect words, because there are none. There are no perfect words. And that doesn't mean that you care any less. That shows that you're deeply human. The world, words will come when they need to. Just don't try to force them. And if you're truly struggling, start a different way. Offer something, a gift, maybe a blanket or a comfy pair of socks. You know, the feet and hands go very cold when we're in active dying. And this gesture, you'll see, that's a good conversation starter too. It's going to get the ball rolling. Next, do still speak to them while they're still alive if, if possible. It doesn't matter if they have just a few hours, days, or weeks. You know, people can get moved into palliative months out. It doesn't matter if they're conscious or unconscious. If they're unconscious, at least you know there's a possibility they might have heard you and that you spoke to them while they were still here on earth with us. That's really important. It helps us a lot in our grieving process because we know that after death, we often talk to our loved ones when they're not there. And it's nice to know that we took the opportunity while they still were. The last one is to be intentional. Think about what you have to say. Prepare for it a bit. Don't make a speech. Just think of topics that you want to talk about. And that's the perfect place for us to talk about some of the messages that are good to think about before we go and have our final conversations. The first one is, I'm here for you. So simple. Let them know that you're here to support them, whatever that means, whatever they need. Let them know that you'll show up, you'll be there. That's it. That's the first one. Say it. I'm here for you. The second one I would suggest is to say, it's okay to feel scared. Feeling scared when we're dying is really common. I've seen it many, many times before people pass away because it's something that we're not prepared for. We've not thought about it very much over the course of our whole lives, so we don't really know what to expect. We've not prepared. So it's pretty normal to get here and to feel scared. It's important to remember, too, that all emotions are valid. All the cards are on the table. So 
I invite you with compassion to open your heart wide and to let them share their fears with you. You know, they're experiencing these emotions in their dying in real time, but really think about it. Their fears might be some of your own fears intellectually. So your job here is to listen and you're going to learn. Don't try to fix anything. And it's okay to remember that you might feel scared too. Or maybe you're just feeling apprehensive if scared is too big of a word. Give yourself compassion for this very human response and then go forward. There's more regret to be experienced for the things you're not going to say than the things that you're going to say. So say them, even if you're scared. I guess I knew that every word that I said was important and they had to come from the heart and say things that I, that I truly meant. That's my friend Paul Lafleur speaking about his mother and sister who passed away within two years of each other. I asked him, what did you talk about when you knew it would be the last time you would speak to either of them? I guess I, the most important thing was just for them to know that I love them and that, um, that to me their life had a ton of purpose and, and, and that, was, that was important to me. So the third thing I'm going to invite you to say is an obvious one. I love you and I'll miss you. The truth is we never know exactly how much time is left. This is the time. Even if you've said it all your life, say it again. Tell them over and over. Tell them how much you love them and tell them how much you appreciate them. I can only imagine when my time comes, the comfort and validation I'll get when I am told how much impact I've had on my loved one's lives. So don't hold back. Be intentional with your words and with your actions and gestures. Say I love you freely. Say it often. And if it was something that you weren't used to saying very much during your life, if at all, realize that it's never too late to say it. Take the risk. It's worth it. The fourth idea I wanted to share with you that you could say is, my life is better for having known you. This is the prime time to share the impact that your dying loved one has had in your life. Tell them in person. Don't wait to say it at their funeral. Don't wait to say it to others. Don't wait until it's too late and the only things you have to say it to are the wind or to their headstone. Tell them now. Give your gratitude. Say it and give them examples. Dig up memories. Say, you know, remember the time you did this for me? Remember the time that you didn't do this for me? I grew so much out of that. Share your favorite memories. Reminisce. Talk about the accomplishments and all the happy times. Tell them about the everyday things that you remember. Those just might be the happiest and best conversations that you'll have with your dying loved one at the end of their lives. My next suggestion is to say thank you. Thanking someone is a nod to that person's legacy. Expressing thanks for all the positive ways that they touched your life is another way of letting them know that they have had a lasting significance. It's also a wonderful way to contribute to their sense of dignity and their sense of self at the end of their lives. I really like this quote by Rabbi Harold Kushner who writes, 
I am convinced that it is not the fear of death of our lives ending that haunts our sleep so much as the fear that as far as the world is concerned, we might as well never have lived. You can support your loved one's dignity with sincere and specific thank yous. Yes, of course, say thank you in general, but also very specific things. Thank you for teaching me this lesson. Thank you for always being there when I was sad. Thank you for making sure of whatever. This really proves to your loved one that his or her living truly, even if they didn't live for the masses, even if they didn't have a huge community, even if they didn't change the world, it proves to them that their life through you mattered. Above all, when you're having a conversation, please listen, put your phone away, or at least put it on airplane mode. Speaking to someone who's not listening is frustrating and disappointing. You want to make sure that you're not responsible for making them feel that way. Just a little while ago, I saw this beautiful short video on YouTube that was a family vigiling around their dying grandfather. It was this wonderful, tender moment with uh, the two teenage grandsons singing without any music, Amazing Grace, as they were choking back their tears and one would pick up when the other one couldn't go any further. It was so sad and it was so beautiful. And then in the middle of this, someone's phone goes off and you see it's jarring and it really breaks the spell. And I just feel that it's so disrespectful at this very specific moment in time within this very specific space. If you're not paying attention, if you're not listening, or if you're letting yourself be distracted by your phone, you're missing it and you're disrupting the environment. So please be mindful to be there and please turn off your phones. Remember that touch talks too. So if you can't talk, if you're too verklempt, if you're too sad, if you don't know what to say, you can touch loved one, hold each other's hands. If they're not able to speak anymore. You can still connect by placing your hand on their shoulder or even their head. It's such a tender and intimate way to connect, um, touching forehead to forehead or nose to nose. At the end, when you've run out of things to say, you can say, for all the things said and all the things unsaid, I'm here for you. You're not alone. I love you. So those are some of the conversation starters that you can use to have important conversations with your loved ones who are at the end of their lives. But there are some harder conversations that need to be had that we might not feel like talking about but are just too important and we should take the opportunity. So I'm going to tell you about two of them. After a person passes away, it's too late to ask for forgiveness. So try to avoid regrets by saying, please forgive me. And I'm not talking about fussing over small injuries or small past insults. 
It's about being prepared to say your final goodbyes, preparing to not be bothered by regrets from the past or ways that you disappointed that person. It's also important to deal with it now while they're still alive, even if it's hard. It's a space that a lot of us are super resistant to tread into, but we must if we can. A sentence that you can use to start this uh, it can be something like, I've been feeling sorry about something that happened to us, and I know that I had a part in it, and I want to say, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. You know, just because somebody's on their deathbed doesn't mean that they'll forgive us. There's a story in the book, The Five Invitations, by Frank Ostaseski about an abusive mother who asked her dying daughter for forgiveness on her deathbed. Uh, in response, she screamed into her mother's face, I will always hate you. And then she died. It's not the response, of course, that the mother or we would be looking for when we ask for forgiveness. But it still has value. In this type of interaction, first of all, you'll have a very clear view of where the dying person stood. It, again, it's not what you're hoping for, but at least now it's known. It's not out there floating in the ether. You know that you did what you could. You asked for forgiveness at this time, and you addressed a painful part of your past with them and let them know that you were sorry. And at the end, if it's come this far, you can't do any more than that. The second hard place to tread into is to forgive the person who's dying. Forgiveness is not only a gift to them, it's a gift to you. Of course, it can always be said after the person has passed away, but, you know, to say what we have to say while the person is alive, it adds a lot of significance and meaning to it. So we say, if we can, I forgive you. Be specific about it. I forgive you for this. And if you offer forgiveness, you might be surprised that he or she wants forgiveness from you as well. Saying I forgive you is a good way to clear the path to a deeper sharing in the time that's remaining. I know it's tricky because we naturally can be defensive and it's really hard to let go of old stories. These stories have lasted this long, right to the edge of life and death with our loved one. It's hard to let go. And because it's come so far, that dying person might not be ready to acknowledge it. They, they might not want to look at whatever aspect we're forgiving them for. And that has to be okay. If they cut you off or they shut you down, when you're forgiving them, you can still forgive that person. Of course, you'll forgive them in your mind and you'll forgive them in your heart. And you can still say it out loud when they're not there. And that's very valuable for you. There's so much written about the power that forgiving has on the forgiver. It just helps you to let go of your anger it helps you to let go of any wish that you might have to punish that person for the hurt that they inflicted on you. So offer it. It's good for them, and it's good for you. And sometimes we wish we'd receive an apology, but it's just not forthcoming. 
my ex-husband and the father of my two sons passed away in January. And I did talk to him three or four days before he passed. He did express to me that he had really screwed up his priorities and uh, hadn't really considered anybody else except for himself. There wasn't really an apology. It was just a statement of fact. And he had not wanted to discuss anything in the past few years at all, as far as history went. For the last part of this podcast, I'm going to leave you with some practical questions and some clarifications you'll want to talk about. Conversations to have with your loved ones while the opportunity is still there. Some people who know that they're dying are going to avoid talking about it right to the moment of their death unless they're prompted. So let's try to get some clarity as to their wishes so that they can feel respective and supported to the very end. What do they actually want? So the only way we're going to find out is by asking specific questions. I'll give you some examples. Do they want you to vigil with them or do they prefer to pass away alone? You know, I experienced a lot of people who passed away while I was working in the red zone during COVID, strangers who came in unconscious, and I had absolutely no idea what they wanted. They left no instructions. You know, did they want somebody to be there? I didn't know. So I did the best I could. I remember one patient specifically, he held on almost for a week. Every time I would come into my shift, he was still there. He was the first patient that I would ask about. Finally, because we couldn't have any visitors because it was COVID and everything was locked down, somebody FaceTimed his pastor for him and he passed within hours after that FaceTime. That was something that he needed and wanted and he was holding on for it. And I'm glad somebody figured it out. I think it was his son who had arranged that. Ask questions and find out how else they want your support. Can I do this for you? Can I help with the house? Do you want me here? Ask yes and no questions and also some open-ended questions like, who do they want to visit them? Do they even want guests or would they prefer that people not come? Part of my job as a death doula is to keep dying people's wishes at the front and center of their experience so that they feel like they have a sense of control for what they could possibly have control over. You can also ask, do you want me to call someone? Do you want to connect to someone who's uh, not there by the internet? Do you want that person to come in? Is there some religious leader in your faith community that I can call for you? As a death doula, I do help planning for end of life. Death planning can and should happen before we arrive at the end. But like we talked about, because of our culture and our fear about having conversations surrounding death, a lot of the time that just doesn't happen. Unfortunately, that means it happens during active dying. So if you're uncomfortable with making plans for your elders or for those who you're helping take care of, you can always call in the help of a death doula. We're trained and we know how to make end-of-life care plans. And it will involve finding out all these things so that they just happen naturally when the time comes. Going to visit 
a loved one who's dying, and knowing we're about to have our last conversations can make us feel nervous, apprehensive, anxious, or scared. That's normal. But it can also be a peaceful time that you come to cherish. Please don't let those feelings delay your visit or stop you from going at all. Like birth, dying is a one-shot deal. And like birth, dying is a sacred act. We all come into the world with our mother, and although we don't know how, when, or with whom we're gonna exit it, it's for sure that we're all gonna have our own death experiences. Thanks for entering the discussion and listening to Conversations with the Dying. Today, you sat for a little while with death and became a little bit more death-first in its language and in its experience. Death is the very center of the life-death life cycle, the natural order of everything in existence in the universe. Death binds us to the stars, it binds us to the multiverse and beyond, but most importantly, it binds us to each other. And that is both beautiful and humbling.